0: We pick up right where the last part left off, with Cybertron being pulled into Earth's orbit. Spike tries once again to talk some sense into his dad, the working class mechanic and former crystal miner, who suddenly developed illusions of Vader. The Decepticons will triumph! <laughs> Join me, Spike! Join the Conquerors! Dad... Look, I told you. Don't call me that! A rather disorganized and fairly half-hearted battle happens, but the crazy meteorological side effects of Megatron's plan make things a bit difficult. For instance, did you realize that if you fire a laser into heavy winds, it'll blow back at you? Thundercracker clearly didn't. The battle ends with Soundwave emitting some kind of sonic waves for no apparent reason. The waves disrupt the hypnotized human slaves, in some shots anyway, and mess up Transformers on both sides, depending on who we're looking at and when. I can't emphasize enough just how little sense any of this really makes. Oh, except now we've been given a hint as to how to stop the hypnochips. See? It's not nonsense. It's foreshadowing. Sometime around now and lasting through the next 5 or 10 minutes of the episode, Spike starts acting really stoned. It's actually kind of funny since it goes completely unaddressed. Spike! Okay. What? Meanwhile, in Decepticon HQ, Dr. Archivelle explains how his hypnochips work. Leading a mindless slave is simplicity itself, thanks to the brilliant complexity of my hypnochip. Simplicity from complexity. Archivel, I can only assume you scored just as highly in mad English as you did in mad science. Archivel asked for more raw material to turn into slaves, and we cut to Laserbeak kidnapping a couple of fat security guards. Now I'm no evil genius, but it seems to me they can go about this with a more careful eye for quality and quantity. But what do I know? The Autobots eventually begin the long drive home, and they seem to be having real trouble with what appears to be a light rain. Remember, these are the guys who have driven across oceans and even to the Arctic Circle. But rain, for some reason, really messes them up. Fortunately Optimus can do this. I'm going to reverse the polarity of my windshield to repel all rain and hail molecules. Which naturally solves the problem. Duh. The next seven hours involve Bumblebee falling into a hole, which is a pretty ingenious sequence that gives us, the audience, the sensation of being trapped in a hole ourselves. I can make you sit through every agonizing detail of the little guy's struggle, but like I said, I'm not an evil genius. I'll spare you the trouble and just tell you that he gets out fine, which will no doubt amaze you. The Autobots eventually get home and agonize over all the devastation, and then they come up with a brilliant plan to end all brilliant plans. They'll let the Dinobots out of their closet and make them fight the natural disasters. I swear I'm not making a word of that up. Brilliant plan number two is fairly sensible by comparison. Skyfire and a small complement of Autobots will fly to Cybertron in an attempt to rescue Sparkplug and sort out this whole human slave business. Fortunately, they walk right into the room where Shockwave has carelessly left his plans right there for anyone to see. Spike tries to turn his dad good by leaving his favorite tool behind, the second time in two episodes the kid tries to solve his problems with a wrench, but the old man's having none of it. He narks on the Autobots, Spike cries, and we have to wait another week to see what happens next. And now it's time for this week's science lesson. Pulling a planet into Earth's orbit will cause long dormant volcanoes to erupt. But it's okay, because you can stop a volcano erupting by throwing a few rocks into the lava. What'd you say, Bumblebee? Am I okay? Yeah, fine.